What's up, Atlanta sports fans? I'm Graham Waldrop, and alongside me, as always, is Adam. We are now on Spotify Kalal, and we are Atlanta's own. Two Atlanta natives recapping the week that was in Atlanta professional sports with wacky ass hijinks and analysis. Adam, how's it going, sir? Graham, it's going very well and great. I'm very proud of you for promoting the fact that we're on Spotify. That's that's huge for us. We've basically joined the era in which podcasts are now incredibly popular on Spotify. Uh, we don't expect to be getting that Joe Rogan deal or any money at all. We don't make any money from the show, but um, we're on the platform that most people are using now. What, what convinced you to finally push for the Spotify, Graham? Uh, a lot of users out there saying, why aren't you on Spotify? And by a lot, I mean like five. Um, and then you were haggling me about it. And I was like, yeah, whatever. But eventually I was like, how hard can it be? And it wasn't hard. It took like five minutes. So <laughs> could have been on Spotify for the last like, you know, a couple of years. What? It was funny when we first started this thing, when I was doing research into like, well, where do you put your podcast? It was like every article I read. So you have to have it on iTunes. iTunes is number one, blah, blah, blah. And now I think the transition has been made to Spotify. Everyone and their mothers on Spotify now. So well, we are there. I don't have the link for it. Uh, so I can't really say it on air, but, uh, if you search, it's really easy to find. I was able to find it searching Atlanta's own, and it popped up very quickly. Yeah, let's see. Atlanta's own. Oh, yeah, we're the first thing you type in Atlanta's own. It should be really fucking easy to, to get that. And I'm already following my own podcast. Cool. So, yeah, every single episode is up there. If you've missed anything, um, all the way back to... March 14th, 2017, our first episode until until now is up on Spotify. So if that's your home for podcasts, we are there now. So, Graham, now it's Spotify, iTunes, and SoundCloud? Yes. Very fair. So that's exciting. Uh, good, good little uh, tidbit of the week as we sit here in month nine of COVID now where, Ugh. you know, I, I kind of miss our – we'll get back together inside it within the next six months, Graham, you think six months, seven months? It's possible, man. Those damn vaccines went out this week. So, um, yeah, it's encouraging that, you know, we could be seeing the light at the end of the tunnel of this, this horror that's been happening across the world beyond, of course, the inconvenience of not being able to do a podcast inside, but the, the damn death and destruction this thing has caused to so many millions of people's lives. Um, it's encouraging that hopefully as a society, that we're finally uh, maybe being able to get around it via vaccine uh, that's starting to come out. So here's hoping for a much better 2021, not just in Atlanta sports, but in the world. Well, th- those are very nice words you just said, Graham. But my main point in bringing up quarantine is that as you started your intro, you know, you know what you do, the whole, watch up Atlanta sports fans. I'm Graham Waldrop, and alongside me, as always, is Adam Clowell. We are Atlanta's own. Two Atlanta natives doing something. Um, right. As you started to do that, I missed I missed the old times where I just start coughing and clearing my throat in the middle of it, and you have to restart like four or five times when we're in person. <laughs> so Yeah, it doesn't happen nearly as many as often as it used to. So that's, that's my, um, my goal for 2021 is to be able to cough in person with you as we record a I podcast. Would, right. I would let you cough in my face if we could do the, the show again in the same location. Nice. I'll, uh, intern Jared, take note of that and remember it for 2021, please. But Graham, 
we've got a lot of important things to get into today. Probably most importantly, the second rendition of the Sports in Atlanta Wikipedia page, Fact of the Week. Adam, I'm so excited to hear the second entry into the Atlanta Sports Wikipedia page. Let us hope that this time I remember that we live in Atlanta and not Savannah or Athens or some other place that's located in the state of Georgia. Yeah, and I'm a little worried about the legs on this segment because after reading the entire Atlanta Sports Wikipedia page, I'd say 97% of it is like common knowledge to us and anybody that would listen to our podcast. So it might have to branch out a little bit, but I was able to grab another fact this week that I thought was interesting, Graham. And this is just a direct question to you to see if you know the answer. Okay. All right. I'll try to do my best to, to listen to you and, and take in what you're saying as opposed to jumping to a logical, a logical conclusion. So it's just one simple sentence, Graham. Here it comes. Oh, God. You ready for it? I don't know. Do you know what the Gateway Center Arena is? No. Am I right? <laughs> <laughs> do, you, do you have any guesses? You get three guesses. So my usual. My first guess would be it was the name of the Omni Arena before it was called the Omni? Uh, no. Guess Gateway, two. Gateway Center? Gateway Center Arena. My next guess is that it's the was the former name of the current location of the Atlanta slash Gwinnett Gladiators and the silly-ass lacrosse team. Also, no, but do you know what the actual name of that arena is? Uh, some some energy, fuel energy, hydro fuel plane, liberal city arena. Yeah, you're right about energy. Can't, I can't remember it either, but uh, no. Okay. Third guess, Graham. Uh, I will say that it was formerly an adult porn store located on Cheshire Bridge that is now defunct. Close, but not it either. Okay. It is the, it's a new arena, Graham, and the current home. Oh, of the, of, of the, of the, of the D League Hawks team, I bet. Yeah, the G League Hawks, but not only them, but the Atlanta Dream, your WNBA team, Graham. Right. They moved, uh, yeah, they moved from, from State Farm. That's right. So how how would so, you yeah. so here's a question I have for you real quick. How does a porn store in Cheshire Bridge what does that have to do? How is that close to this arena? Uh well Graham, since you ask, I was being highly offensive and because it was WNBA and you oh, said Jesus. something related to women, that's that's how I got there. It's good to know that misogyny is alive and well on Atlanta's own. But you also didn't need to ask me a follow up question for why I said close. No, so, but I was I was curious because it was it uh, <laughs> didn't seem close. Well, you know, I mean, I think it's just up the road. You take Chesh- Cheshire. Uh, oh, you bridge. mean you mean close in proximity? Yeah, yeah. yeah. That, take the, Cheshire. Right. Follow Cheshire Bridge. It hits Piedmont. Piedmont. You're gonna uh, take a right up Tenth. Take a left on Juniper. You can follow that all the way down 
past downtown. Um, there's one other right in there, and you're at the Gateway Center Arena. I think that was a great entry into this esteemed segment, Adam, and I look forward to what you have for us next week. And you know what the best thing about this segment it is, Graham? Hmm. It gives us like 10 minutes to do something besides talk about your Atlanta Falcons football team. Right, and how just unbelievably terrible they are. You know, it's funny how the term beating a dead horse has been used to the point where it's like using that term is like beating a dead horse in and of itself. But I, I will use it again. But this the thing about the Falcons is, is that the, the horse to beat has been beaten so badly that there's not even a carcass left. You're just hitting solid ground at this point. The carcass is rotted away. There's nothing left of that carcass but ashes. That's where the Falcons franchise is right now. Speaking of dead horses and carcasses, you hear about your boy Dan Quinn? No. This man has the most open resume you'll ever see. He's thrown resumes out all over the continental U.S. for a vacancy. I thought DQ would want to take off, you know, maybe take a year off, get things together. He is throwing his hat in the University of Arizona head coaching opening. Wow, he wants to go back to, to college ball. I did not see that. Oh, big coming. time, yeah. That Now that all, there's an opening at Auburn, Dan Quinn's mailed them a resume. Like, How do you know that he's, he's mailing them the resumes? Is he just like in the running for these jobs and you're just hearing about it? Yeah, I mean, there's just articles saying that he's tied to all oh, of these okay. jobs. I thought, he, you were was, a, I thought you were a psycho and going through his mail or something, like A.J. Weaver. No, no. No, no, I, I don't think he's actually mailing it to them, Graham. Sure. But he, uh, it's interesting that I guess it's more prestigious to be a college head coach than like a NFL defensive coordinator, but you would think he would want to stay in the pro game. It might not be an option for him, Adam, considering how terrible a season that the Falcons have had and how he couldn't even win a damn game this year and how for the last three years we've started out really slow. And I don't think he's probably the coldest candidate for a head coaching position or even a coordinator position right now in the NFL. He might have to go well, back to college not. for five years, prove himself before he's able to come back. I would think the guy could be a special teams coordinator somewhere in the NFL, Graham. I'm not saying he couldn't. I think he's, I think he's a capable enough coordinator, but I'm just saying I don't know how many teams are really interested and him in any fashion right now, given that he was a, the defensive coordinator for the Falcons this year, and we were so awful. And as a head coach, he was awful. I mean, he he has he's 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 as he's as hot as the damn Antarctic right now. I mean, he, he, there's no interest in Dan Quinn. That's why he needs to take a take a year off. Just let let people forget about you for a little bit. I think it's Although it's, it, not it's a bad probably idea. helping him a little. It's I mean, it can't be hurting him that. Now we're kind of just playing the same under Raheem as well. Right. And I think what's really, I don't know. I mean, let's, let's, let's try to approach this in a way. I'm not even saying we have to be constructive at all in our criticism. I think we can give unabashed criticism to this franchise and how horrible they are. But how can we approach this, Adam, in a way that we can have some semblance of hope for the future for this franchise? Because I struggle to find it. I will also admit that even though I watched this entire game, I was so disengaged 
And I know we've talked about the apathy setting in, but I've never felt more apathetic watching a Falcons game. Not even the years, I was thinking about this too, the, the two years that Mike Smith had where we sucked, I was more into those games than I am now. And I and uh, then the last three years of the Dan Quinn era sucking. And I think the reason why that is is because I'm starting to realize that the end is near for Matt and Julio and the writing's kind of on the wall with it. And it's come this year in a way that I was not anticipating. I thought Julio had another good two years left in him. He still might, but he's been so injured and hasn't been really playing that much this year. And then Matt has fallen off the face of the planet um, in terms of how poor he has looked, particularly over the last three games, or hell, even four games going back to the, the, the first game against the Saints. And I think that when we were struggling with Mike Smith, I was like, okay, well, we still got Matt's still a great quarterback. Julio's still a beast. You know, we can we can write the ship. And the ship was righted, you know, when we got to the Super Bowl. But the way it has splintered since then is almost unconscionable. Like, I mean, I never thought this would happen, that we would get to this level of just pure incompetence and having a totally fucked future, seemingly, with all these big contracts to guys like Matt and Julio who are now underperforming. And it's, it's just like we are in, we could be the Jaguars soon in terms of just every year we suck. It's, it's bad. I know I went all over the place there, but I, I am, the concern level for this franchise has never been worse than it is now in the Arthur Blank era. And that's saying a lot considering you had the Mike Vick dog dog fighting scandal yeah the end of the mike smith era it's bad this is this is this is the nadir of the arthur blank era yeah that 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 was a lot to take in graham um let me start at the beginning where you asked what hope i believe that's what you asked what hope is there for an atlanta falcons fan and you know atlanta sports graham we just work on ups and downs Strikes and gutters for all of our franchises. So it, it was the Braves that were hot, and then they had to do a rebuild. And then as the Braves were coming out of the rebuild, moving into SunTrust Park, we had, I mean, that was 2016, 2017. Braves are starting to see hope from the Braves. Falcons going to the Super Bowl. Hawks fall off a plateau. They're doing their rebuild. And now... The Braves are the cream of the crop coming off their NLCS run. The Hawks are likely playoff contenders this year. So now it's the Falcons' turn for the rebuild. And the good news is NFL rebuilds just generally don't take as long as rebuilds in other leagues. Like you've seen it. So many teams can go from just complete hopelessness to drafting a good quarterback and you're back in it. Right. And I don't hate our situation where we know we have Matt Ryan for a couple of years and we're going to have to go into him a lot more on this podcast, Graham. This is the show for it. Yeah. But there's a number of quarterbacks out there this year beyond Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields. Although this loss, I've never been happier for a loss than this Jackson, this who the hell do we play this week? Uh, Chargers. The Chargers. It was such a terrible football game against two clearly terrible teams. 
And it was just depressing to realize that I was in the same place as you were. I was watching it, but it's like, oh man, like we're just like two of the shittiest teams in the league (laughs) right now. And that's just where we're at. And I mean, I was second half. I was just hoping we were going to lose it. So those two interceptions at the end were just laughable to me, but it did kind of get us back into Justin Fields territory as far as our record goes with the teams we got coming up. So yeah, but Cincinnati ain't losing anymore. I mean, I don't, the yeah, Jets, but, the but Jets they, don't need, are they don't need a quarterback. That's true. That's true. But I'm just saying, I just don't see us catching these other teams. Like I don't see those other teams winning. You know, we could definitely lose out, but I don't see those other teams winning enough. Like they have to win at least two games over the next, uh, what the next three. I think it's Cincinnati and um, who else is it? Well, the Jets are going to take Trevor Lawrence. Right, we know that. But in terms so of who, in terms of else, how how, how bad it? it is, you have Jacksonville. They're the second worst at one and twelve, and they're going to take Fields. You would have to think. Yeah, they would probably take Fields, but and they're one and twelve. Graham. There's no chance for catching. You know, we're, we're not catching them. It's mathematically impossible. Well, not for Jacksonville. Yeah, Jacksonville would have to win out. Losers of twelve in a row. Do they hundred? Yeah, I guess they hundred percent take a quarterback. So we're not in Fields territory. No. But what do you know about Trey Lance, Graham? I know nothing about anybody in college football other than Lawrence and Fields. As we've discussed on this show, we are we are at least for me, I'm one of the rare Southern-born folks who is just not that into college football. I don't think I watched it down this year. I even well, I made you watch like two downs of Kyle Trask the other day. Oh, that's true. Back. Right, right. Yeah, we did watch a little bit of that LSU game. That's right. So there Sorry. are like a number of guys that we could possibly even get in the second round, like Zach Wilson, BYU, Kyle Trask, Mac Jones from Alabama, who for them to sit behind like these are guys that would be open to sitting behind Matt Ryan for a year which that's a pretty good situation to have. But, Graham, keep your eyes on Trey Lance, North Dakota. Like, I don't know if he would be around in the second round or not. He could be like a late first rounder. This guy, here's his numbers freshman year, Graham. So he only played one game this year. I don't know if that was COVID or injury or just his team not playing at all. Last year, he throws for 28 touchdowns and zero interceptions. And he rushes for 1,100 yards with 14 touchdowns. Jesus. And you say he's on North Dakota, though? North Dakota, yeah. What but conference he's like is six that? Four, he's like 6'4". Who cares what conference is? He's like 6'4", and he's got speed okay. and threw 28 touchdowns and zero interceptions. Okay. So, I don't – I mean, yeah, that, that's – that little bit of research is all, all I really got on who I want. I don't know if that's a guy you draft in the top 10, but the idea of someone coming in and sitting behind Matt Ryan for a year, a year and a half, that's a decent situation to be in, to learn from him. And I sense Matt Ryan, he seems like a humble enough dude that he's open to kind of Brett farming somebody teaching him up but yeah well yeah, it, it, hopefully it is, he's better it, than Favre 
in the sense like Favre is very resistant to Rodgers from what I remember treating him like yeah, dog that's shit. Yeah, good point. So I hope yeah. it's more like a uh, Kurt Warner situation, something like that. Right. But, yeah, I mean, it, it is wild how quickly Matt Ryan has seemed to just go, go to shit. Like, Yeah, and it's really like these – like. It's really these last four games. I mean, he's had he's had some ups and downs in the games before that, but these last four games, he has looked unsure of himself. He has looked absolutely panic stricken in the pocket. His feet are moving everywhere. He's lacking eyes, and this is a problem he's had for his entire career. But it's really coming out in spades now. He's lacking into one receiver. He's forcing throws. That's what led to a lot of these picks, and he's just been inaccurate. And the sad thing was, you know, when Russell Gage had that trick play through a touchdown, I was like, Matt Ryan probably would have missed that shit. That's the first thing I thought. Yeah. Um, even though Matt did have a couple of decent deep throws in this game to Ridley. But um, the writing's on the wall, man. He's looked like dog shit. And another horrible QBR this week, 41.3. He threw three interceptions. He only had eight interceptions going in this game, but he has been woefully inaccurate recently and just making bad throws. And I know Dirk Cutter is the worst offensive coordinator in NFL history, and everyone hates him, and that's fair. But at some point, you've got to start leveling more criticism at Matt Ryan because this is four games in a row where he has looked like not even a top 15 NFL quarterback. He has looked like Joe Flacco when Flacco started to really suck with the Ravens. Like he is just doesn't look like he doesn't know what he's doing in the pocket. He looks very uncomfortable at all times. And maybe you can resurrect him with a uh, with a better coordinator next year. I'm not saying you couldn't, but this present form of Matt Ryan is very concerning. It's 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 not even concerning. It's it's catastrophic, and I've I've hit the panic button on it. I think that these last four games have signaled that the end of the Matt Ryan era is nigh, in terms of him being a excellent starting quarterback. Or hell, even maybe even above average because he's been just total dog shit. And I don't see it getting any better going up against Tampa Bay or Kansas City or any uh, of these teams we have left to play here. And it's really sad. And it's so odd to me, too, because the last few weeks, I always think back to Mike Vick when he's in the pocket, when he was with us. And I was always nervous when Mike Vick was would, would drop back because I was like, I don't know what he's going to do. Is he going to throw an, uh, a, a wild, erratic pass? Is he going to throw uh, a ball 10 feet over Work Dunn's head, even though Work Dunn is like, you know, two feet away from him, five feet away from him? Uh, it was uncertainty. And then when Matt Ryan comes in, there was certainty. You had, uh, at least for me, I had confidence when he, when he was in the pocket, when he was making a decision. I was like, I feel good about my quarterback. And now, for the first time, I do not feel good about my quarterback at all. I feel like he is going to make the wrong decision every time he's, he's in the pocket. When I'm watching him, he just looks so goddamn. I keep saying he looks uncomfortable, but I don't know how else to describe it. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think he's just all of a sudden old. Like, Brady is, what, nine years older than him, and he's having another yeah, all-pro but, year? But, but like, Brady Brady's a freak of nature. I think comparing anyone to Brady is 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 not... It's kind of a I agree, but Matt Ryan's 36. There's still been plenty of quarterbacks at 36 that are yeah. very successful. And he's had and like good he's, games this he, year. And he actually, like, he was, he made some really good throws in this Chargers game as well. But having those, like, the first interception with like three minutes left while we were driving, 
that I mean that that was a decent play by the cornerback, and it was like, eh, not completely on Matt, but like the the sec, the last one was just laughable and just right. wholly predictable for what we've been seeing recently. Like, well, you think about too, like the Bears game when he threw that pick to end the game. There was not a receiver around in the vicinity of that ball. I mean, he's just had so many bad throws this year. So Graham, do you have anything to say? Because I was asked to do a, a full-on intervention, and we—I mean, we both have come to the same conclusion that, like, I'm clearly ready to draft a quarterback now, and you're clearly able to admit that Matt Ryan isn't what he used to be. No, but do you have anything to say to certain users that have been saying Matt Ryan is over the hill for? About a year now. Do you have anything well, to say to them? I would say they're still wrong in terms about him being over the hill for a year. Um, but your unabashed hatred for Matt Ryan is still despicable in terms of all he's given to this franchise. And uh, yeah, I'll leave it at that. That's fair. These the same users, I sometimes wonder if they just they love to hate. I think so, they like to just get a rise out of me. I think yeah, that's what it and is. me as well. So yeah. I, I feel like we, we could we could have like Joe Burrow or Trevor Lawrence or Mahomes, and they're going to still find issues, in in my opinion. I could be wrong. I could be making assumptions. I don't know. I've done both before. I, I think it's uh, – I'm not sure. I'm not sure. What well, and the other thing, I think there's a lot of Atlanta fans out there in general that they never gave Matt Ryan much of a chance because he wasn't Mike Vick. Well, there's that, but I also think that the situations around Matt Ryan have sucked for the majority of his career, either in terms of a bad coordinator, a bad defense, a bad offensive line. Like we said, I mean, this guy, not this year, but has, you know, in the bad seasons, has taken so many sacks. He was he was tied for with Russell Wilson last year in terms of taking the most sacks in the NFL, and beyond that, just taking I can't remember where he finished in terms of total quarterback hits, but I know it was in the top two or three in the league last year as well. And I think it's starting to catch up with him. I've been waiting for this for a long time and it's starting to catch up with him. And that sucks. That's squarely on, as, 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 you know, and we can place a lot of that blame on, on Thomas for not understanding how to draft offensive or defensive linemen. And that's the thing I really am pissed off about with a lot of Falcons fans hatred towards Matt Ryan before this critical nosedive that we're facing right now is just, the shitty hand he was dealt in terms of his line in particular. It's just, it hasn't been good. And the years it has been good, he's kicked ass. And there's a reason, there's another reason why Tom Brady plays till he's, you know, 49 years old, however fuck old he is, because he's always had a great offensive line. Um, that's not to say that Matt is without blame. It's just that everyone puts it all on Matt. Kind of like how we're doing now, but I think the play has been so bad that there's no there's no real other way to, to do it at this point. But in terms of the other times where people have given Matt Ryan unmitigated shit, they haven't considered the other factors that are going on. And I also haven't considered the fact that he's still been an excellent quarterback if you look at all his stats. So I'll still say that this team is not just it's not just Matt's fault in terms of how bad we are, but I have never seen him play this poorly in his entire career. And it's in, and and it just it's it spells certain doom. I know you were talking about how it's easy to, or not easy, but like a rebuild in the NFL doesn't take as long. But you look at teams that have struggled for years. Look at the Browns. This is the first year they've had, the first winning season they've had since 2007, 
and it's the first time they're probably going to go to the playoffs since they've come back to Cleveland. Look at the Jaguars. They've only had that one good year with Bortles when they went to the AFC Championship game. And before that, I think the last time they went to the playoffs was with Mark Brunel. So, yeah, a rebuild. But you look at San Francisco recently where they rebuilt and went to the Super Bowl, and they did that pretty fast within like two, two or three seasons. But you have to have the right people in place. You know, 49ers got John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan in place as their GM and, and head coach, respectively. You can't even think about all the people that have been the coach of the Jaguars or the Browns and teams like that who just suck. Did, and and we, we, we get the wrong people in here like, we've, like we have been doing. And Arthur has shown they does not know how to, how to bring in a uh, consistently good coach that can be here for the long haul for more than five years. He hasn't done well with, uh, with the GMs either in terms of being able to field a complete team. Uh, I'm very – and Rich McKay sucks now. Like, I mean, I, I, I don't want him involved in anything, and he's the main football guy. So I, I don't have a lot of faith in terms of this rebuild in ter- because of the people that are involved. Rich McKay is more concerned about wanting to be commissioner of the NFL eventually and Arthur Blank, who doesn't know how to hire the right personnel and is more concerned about making Falcons for life than getting a fucking Super Bowl. He's more, he's more concerned about being buddies with his players and has bitten him in the ass for his entire career as an owner and it will continue to do so until he sells his team. I want a full teardown of this franchise, and it starts with Arthur Blank. See, I, I was going to make the exact opposite argument, and I, I think you're a little little too harsh on old Arthur there. And but you I, know I think he's made the having, wrong decisions. I think the difference between, like, the Falcons, we have not been this shitty in general since Arthur Blank took over. No, like, he has been our best owner, no doubt. I just think he's and, lost it. Like, you look at a Jets, a Jacksonville, these just historically – terrible teams crazy ass mark davis in oakland they're terrible because of ownership so i think arthur blank does provide us stability and yeah but but the ownership has been bad recently and it's getting worse we have to acknowledge that this isn't 2008 anymore this isn't 2012 it's 2020 and the ownership is not the right ownership to be doing what it needs to do this is the a same owner who held on to, to dan quinn two years too late and Thomas Dimitrov, six or seven, you know, two or two, two, three years too late. You know, it's like I don't have any faith in Arthur in terms of what he's been doing recently. And by recently, I mean in the last four or five years in terms of being the owner of the team. Hasn't He has not done a good job in terms of making us a better football team. He's gotten us a better stadium. He's increased the value of the team. Good for his billionaire ass. What has he done other than lower goddamn concession prices for the fan base, for the actual product on the field? Jack shit. Well, he did. He did a shit ton when he first took over as an owner. Oh, I know. To to reconnect with the community, like, of course. I think, I think you're. But but you're, you're thinking about the past again. You're what? What about the now? The present? He is he is a bad NFL owner right now. He's getting into Jerry Jones level shit in terms well, of just not Graham, being able I'm, to, I'm gonna hope to, to wake up and smell the roses. I'm going to hope he's learned from his mistakes, and it's beautiful that we're losing these games because that means there's no chance for Heems around clearing house. And there's a lot of other teams with openings, but I, I do think that Arthur and his willingness to spend is going to be a, an attractive thing for the top coaching candidates out there. But how are we going to spend? With, but how are we going to spend with this cap situation? All these huge contracts. Well, it's how, a long-term thing, Graham. We're not going to win next year. I'm not saying we're going to win next year or the next or the year after that. But these 
you know. A, Contracts a, a, will clear out. Maybe maybe Bill Belichick gives us another second round pick for Matt Ryan. Shit. His contract. Who knows? If you just give up a se- if you get if you only get a second round pick from Matt Ryan, you fail as a general manager. Have, have you seen his contract, Graham? That that would be a copy special. To oh, I know. But no one's going to a, take that. No one's going to take that contract, and we're not going to be able to move him until at least after. Well, June. that's why you're only asking for a second round pick for it. I know, but you want to take all that dead cap space. That's a disaster. If the Patriots, if the Patriots pay the entire contract, they wouldn't do that. Well, I don't think there's know. a chance Bill in hell Belichick, they wouldn't. Bill Belichick there's a is reason crazy. That they, there's a reason that they only spent a million dollars on Cam Newton this year. They don't have any money because they spent all their money trying to win Super Bowls, and they did it, and they've blown their load. They're they're in cap hell like we are. Well, I don't know what to tell you, Graham. I, I think you got to take it easy. You got you got to take it easy on Uncle Arthur a little bit. I, I he can't. Also brought I it. can't. I cannot. I cannot sit around and just accept failure can't do it that's what we've been doing in this city for 50 years it's absolute bullshit people get over the hill and it's like a professor with tenure and we just give them the benefit of the doubt when they're done arthur is done as an owner Hmm. all right same thing with john sherholtz hate to say it same thing with bobby cox too long we let these people stay too long and we think about the glory days and we think about, you know, their accomplishments and we don't think about what's happening now. And that's the biggest problem well, with Atlanta sports. In fairness with Arthur, we're not letting him stay. He owns the team. True. So so we have no so choice there, his, really. It's kind of his call to do what he wants to do. I agree. I mean, I, I mean, it's not even nothing to agree about. It's objectively true. It's just it just <laughs> I worked up, man. This, this whole Matt Ryan thing has got me so upset, and I don't want to get away or deflect from the fact that he's played like shit. Uh, but I'm just thinking about, overall, what, what, bad, what a bad situation we're in, I feel like. And maybe things turn around. Maybe you're right. Maybe I'm, I'm just overreacting like crazy. I just don't see a scenario where we're able to be winners until Matt and Julio are gone, and we have a totally different quarterback completely different GM coach beyond whoever comes in here because it's going to take a while to next year because it's going to take a while to fix I think I mean we still got some good young pieces yeah Calvin Ridley showed out in this game Uh, it was nice to see 124 yards eight catches and a touchdown Um, I still like Russell Gage a lot and I don't know what uh, you know, Grady's still good. The secondary is still playing decently, I would say. Um, particularly, even though I know your boy Terrell gave up a touchdown this week, I'm still encouraged by him. There's still good things he to work with. He had freaking 13 tackles this week. Yeah, yeah, 13 tackles, and he had he held Keenan Allen, who's had the most receptions in the league this year, to 9 for 52. So that's only an average of a little under six yards per catch, which is great. So, I mean, this guy, I think that actually was a decent pick by Thomas um, to give him his a uh, little bit of credit there. But once again, I mean, the misfires on guys like Todd Gurley and Dante Fowler are just heinous. Yeah, those are reaches, but that's why they're one-year deals. Was Fowler was three years, I thought. 
We're gonna have to fact check that one. Dante Fowler. That would be really bad. I think he's like a three-year deal or something. Oh, crap. Three-year, $45 million deal. Yeah. Oh, that's going to hurt. Thanks, Thomas. (laughs) There's another bad contract. You know what I mean? It's just like, and we thought that could be Uh, a good deal, but we know how bad Thomas is at evaluating defensive ends. Once again, he he strikes again with his ignorance. Jesus, God. I'm trying to see. Cap hit. Oh, good Lord, yeah. This year, the cap hit was... 6.6 6.6 million next year it jumps to 18.6 and in 2022 yeah. it's 19 oh yeah yeah it's a backloaded deal we are I mean, has he been hurt what's the deal there i think he just isn't very good or maybe it's just that you know classic coming to atlanta now you suck uh well, syndrome I, I mean, I that somebody I, have suffered i guess he's got two sacks this year good lord so that's uh three three Point two million dollars per sack or whatever. Yeah, that alone is worth getting fired. Yeah, it's just like, god damn. Um, all right, well, before we just get even more in the weeds of these Falcons, Graham, who do you want for coach? Who do you want to hire as a coach? I like, uh, you know, the the dream candidate for me is Biennemi, the the Chiefs coordinator for me, just because you look at how I know Andy Reid calls the plays but he constructs that offense with Andy Reid. And I also know Patrick Mahomes is there and got Tyreek Hill. But I mean, you look at how that offense moves compared to how we move in terms of the actual play design and the misdirection and the ability to actually have routes that go longer than three yards um, on a consistent basis. unlike Dirk Cutter and not, you know, running the ball in second and 15 it's, it's the kind of offense that works in the modern NFL. And there's people have nothing but great things to say about this guy. And apparently he's a great leader in the locker room as well. That's my, that's my, that's my guy right now. If there's one guy I'm targeting, it's, it's Eric Bieniemy. I'm a Joe Brady guy myself, Graham. Who the hell is that? Joe Brady. Who the hell is that? The, the current offensive coordinator for the Panthers who, Last year was the 2019 top assistant coach for the LSU national championship winning Tigers. Okay. Uh, and, and to me, I mean, this guy's got Sean McVay written all over him. He's 31 years old, 32 years old, somewhere in there. And he just looks like the next young hot shot offensive coordinator. And that's who I want. I want to go ahead and make a move on him now. Because just watching the first, it was the first Panthers game of this year. Where there, the difference there, they've got Teddy Bridgewater at quarterback versus Patrick Mahomes, mm-hmm. and you could just tell it was just a well-oiled machine that they were running, despite having lesser personnel. So, I mean, either one of those guys is going to be fine, and it sucks that there are so many other teams with openings right now. But I hope that Arthur can just pay whoever it is, say, hey, take this money. You're our guy for the next 10 years. But I, I really like Joe Brady. Okay. So, and I know we'll that we still got Carolina's had a lot of injuries this year, too. They've, they've had issues with McCaffrey. He's only played in three games. And then Bridgewater's missed some action, too. So, um, yeah, I mean, 
I don't really have an opinion on that just because I don't really know enough. I haven't watched enough Panthers games to really get a a feel for their offense. But um, I definitely do. That's the he fits the profile of someone I want an offensive minded coach who is younger. And the the Andy Reid thing is what scares me as well about the enemy. Yeah. I mean, that's a hell of a person. I mean, Andy Reid is an offensive master. So, I mean, there's no better person to learn offense from than, than Andy Reid. Well, just the fact that you don't know how much of it is the enemy and how much of it is Andy Reid. And sure. there's been plenty of – I mean, you look at all the freaking Bill Belichick assistant coaches that have learned under Bill Belichick and then sucked as head coaches. So could be the same thing with Andy Reid. I don't know. That's just – Straight speculation, though. Yeah. No, I mean, I don't think that's an unfair concern to have. Either way, though, I do not want one of these old-ass defensive coordinator guys. We've seen what happens with Smitty. We've seen what happens with Quinn. I'm not saying if you get another one, the same thing will happen, where they have some, you know, a few good years or four or five good years, in, in Smitty's case, and then just drop off the face of the planet. But we need someone different. We need to take advantage of really letting our offense, which is how the team was built, shine, which we're able to do with Shanahan. But we really need, a, I think, a head coach to come in here and have that mindset and be able to put the stamp on the offense and also on the rest of the team, but really put the stamp on the offense and say, we are an offensive-minded football team. Forget having these you know, guys that have been uh, coordinators and and our head coach, like I don't want, I don't want you know us to hire somebody who's like an NFL lifer or something like that. We need that Sean McVay type of of guy who's you know sure maybe he's been a coordinator, blah blah blah, but maybe he hasn't been a head coach yet, and maybe he's an offensive genius. We need an offensive genius. Give me one of those. And I know they don't grow on trees, but I think your Brady guy, the enemy, someone like that needs to be the next head coach of the Falcons. Yes, I'm some young-ass coach, but then bring in some grizzled old defensive coordinator that's been in the league forever and knows his shit right. and has the players' respect. Something like right. that. Yeah, give me Wade Phillips, your defensive coordinator. I don't know where he is now, but that would be cool. Bring back Parcells, whatever. <laughs> yeah, I think whoever Bill, the— Bill Cower. Yeah, if we do go with an offensive-minded young coach, I, I think you're exactly right in bringing in— more experienced coaches in other positions that are good at what they do that can provide a balance and that the young head coach can look to for mentorship if needed. That's all I got on the Falcons, Graham. Same. To we do play Tom Brady this week. Falcons are 0-5 in their – well, <laughs> Brady is 5-0 and against the Falcons. So, Yeah, I'm sure we'll get career. slaughtered in that game and the, in the – Tampa Bay needs to keep winning, so they'll be motivated in terms of their playoff hopes. Um, yeah, we're, we're going to get killed, and that's just the way it's going to be. I hope to see a better effort from Matt, but I, I probably doesn't want to watch this game. Yeah, no shit. <laughs> I never thought I'd say we that either. Th- like, usually I'm always like, even when the Falcons suck, I'm like, I'm going to watch the Falcons game. But I'm very much on the borderline right now of being like, ah, maybe I won't. I don't know. I'll probably watch it, but it's just the, the if you're looking for some good football this weekend, the Clemson Notre Dame rematch is Saturday, Graham. I'd oh. recommend watching that one instead. Cool. 
We'll drink Coquitos. There you go. All right. This might be our last show of the year, folks. Uh, thanks for staying with us through this tumultuous year. Hope you all are doing as well as you can do out there, uh, given all the, the craziness in the world. Um, hope you have a, a safe holiday and good health heading into the new year. And we'll talk to you, if not again this year, we'll talk to you sometime next year. Until then, thanks for listening. Rise up, chop on, stay in brotherhood, unite and conquer, mix it up, and remain true to Atlanta. Hospitomerson. Hospitomerson.